Cinema Obscura. Unreleased movies may be the ultimate in obscure films. Sometimes they may be the holy grail, given so few copies that may see the light of day. But a 90s superhero film that didn't make it into theaters is being screened on phones, laptops, and smart TVs now. Roger Corman, he served as executive producer of an independent project based on the Marvel comic series, The Fantastic Four. I guess you could say he was ahead of his time. Four astronauts are bathed in cosmic rays, then acquire special powers and decide to form a superhero group. But things go off the rails in more ways than one when they encounter a bad guy called Dr. Doom. I'm Steve Nikhazy, and I'm joined by independent Philly filmmaker Andre Bennett. And Andre, uh, some say this may be the best bad movie ever made. I don't know if I'd go that far. I'd still give it to either The Room or Road to Revenge. Okay. Because those were so deliciously bad. The Fantastic Four is a very strange case, though, because the script isn't the worst. It's very faithful to the comics. It's still not a great script. And the production itself, it's one of those situations where the story behind the scenes overshadows anything that could happen on the screen. Yeah. Because... These people involved in this movie went into it believing that they were going to be in a big release. And over the course of the 21-day shoot and the seemingly endless post-production, they were uh, deprived of all of those notions slowly until the end when the film was finally shelved. And I think that that bears repeating, a 21-day shoot. It was a 21-day shoot. Made for just over a million dollars, which I mean, the the original projected budget for something like this at the time was thirty million. Sure. And Baron Eichinger, who had the rights to the Fantastic Four, called Roger Corman. Word is he actually called Troma first, and Troma they're the ones who created the Toxic Avenger. They're known for doing B movies as well, but their stuff is more extreme and edgy and uh, hard R rated. Mm-hmm. But Eichinger called Lloyd Kaufman at Troma, and this is according to Kaufman, and asked him to do it. And Lloyd Kaufman was also friends with Stan Lee and declined. We should do a moment of silence for Stan Lee. Yes, Stan uh, recently uh, departed. He was the co-creator of, I like to say, basically everything you love now. Mm-hmm. Stan Lee had a hand in. And the Fantastic Four was really the beginning of it. And you wonder why it took so long because the realization was, hey, there's a built-in audience for this. Yeah, and the other thing is that Marvel had so many characters and everything they had done up to that point was super low rent. Like the Spider-Man TV series in the 70s, Doctor Strange TV movie, that was also not good. They had a couple of Captain America TV movies that were – Not very good at all. Mm -hmm. The best thing up to that point that Marvel had produced as a show or movie was The Incredible Hulk Show with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. Right, right. A a budget of $1 million, uh, very, very low ball there. Very few actual special effects, and the ones that we see are kind of like Battlestar Galactica cheesy, you know, for the time, considering it was the early 90s. And I understand they say that a lot of the money was spent on the Thing costume and catering. Yes, uh, the Thing costume actually was done by a company called Optic Nerve. It's actually very good. They had the mask had like a underneath was a mask with a servo motor so that the jaw could move. And then the outer layer was a rubber mask. Right. But. It gave the thing expression. 
Apparently, the person they had hired to do the visual effects for this movie had misrepresented his credentials. So he didn't know what he was doing really and <laughs> took a while. So they ended up going to another company much later on who managed to salvage what they had. But I will say the final CGI sequence where the human torch is trying to stop that death ray, mm-hmm. that is clearly inspired by the Fleischer Superman cartoons. The whole animation where the torch is like hit repeatedly by the ray and then the the cityscape there, it's yeah. almost ripped visually straight from that. Well, a pretty forgettable cast – and the thing, the, one of the appealing things about this movie, to look at it so many years down the road, the overacting and the underacting. Yeah, <laughs> the I, film. I, I want to say yes and no because at that point, I actually knew who Jay Underwood was because he was in a series of TV movies called Not Quite Human with Alan Thicke that I really loved that uh, Disney did. The actors who played Reed and Doctor Doom are actually second generation. Uh, Alex Hyde White, the son of Wilfred Hyde White. And Joseph Culp, who played Dr. Doom, the son of Robert Culp from The Greatest American Hero. Right. But everyone else, they were all at the time virtual unknowns, minus Underwood, who had also been a feature lead by that point. And they were all making about 3500 a week, I think. Yeah. I, I heard that they had actually read like some surprising names for this too. Like Patrick Warburton read right. for The Thing. <laughs> right. And, uh, and Mark Ruffalo. Yes. Uh, he auditioned for Dr. Doom. I understand. I could probably see that, although yeah. he's doing much better work now as the Hulk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, there could be a interesting, interesting movie made on the making of this movie. There, and I was thinking about that because this is a scenario where the cast members showed up for a big premiere. Yeah. And the, they didn't have a copy of the film because it had been yanked. Yeah, it was. Uh, they had the, they were going to do a premiere at the Mall of America and they got a cease and desist by the producers <laughs> because uh, – yeah. Avi Arad at uh, Marvel Films at the time had paid Eichinger, I guess, a million and Eichinger paid Corman a million to basically kill the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's very sad because I remember reading interviews with the cast leading up to the release we thought would happen. They were all very excited. Yeah, There's a documentary about it uh, called Doomed. It's uh, You can stream that on Amazon Prime. But uh, like an actual narrative film, if Marvel would ever let that get made – I could see that actually doing pretty well. Also, in season four of Arrested Development, there's a <laughs> there's a subplot where one of the characters was in that movie. Okay. <laughs> Played the invisible woman <laughs> in that movie. So it's kind of got this pop culture position of legend really because it's something that never came out and has taken on a life of its own that it probably wouldn't have had had they actually released it. A delight for those who get it. We have a clip of the Fantastic Four as the astronauts realize they are lost after their accident and also realize they're undergoing changes. We must have dropped telemetry. You mean we fell off the radar? Oh, great. It's going to be days before they find us, especially if they think we're dead. I'm scared, Reed. Just tell me what is happening to us. I'm sorry, Susan. I can't. I don't know. I just don't know. But there's no need to panic. Panic! Panic! Reed! Reed! My sister here disappears at the drop of a hat. You, you, you stretch like some human rubber band and I'm a walking blowtorch and you don't want us to panic? Oh, oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Sit down, Johnny. Johnny, there'll be an explanation for this. There's always a scientific explanation for everything. Ain't that right, Ben? What should we do, Reed? What should we do? 
I'm not going to lie. I actually enjoyed a good portion of this movie. There was talent there and with some more polish, maybe if the script could have gone under development a little longer. But they had to rush to make a shoot date because they had to start this movie by the end of 92. Otherwise, the rights would go back to Marvel. They'd lose the option and Marvel didn't want to extend it. The only way they could extend it was to actually start production on the movie. So with some more time, some more pre-production and development and more money, it could have been something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it goes to show, I mean, for me, they made uh, – Eichinger ended up selling the rights to 20th Century Fox and they made two Fantastic Four movies. And I like this one a lot better than those. <laughs> those were not very good at all. And now you can see it for yourself. It's actually on YouTube. And it is. It's out and about. It's, uh, it's on YouTube. It's – you can – Probably find it at conventions uh, if you know where to look. I'm not going to tell anyone where to look, but if you know where to look. Yeah, the the YouTube copy is a little washed out. It is because all the prints, I believe, were struck. There was like an answer print that this was dubbed from. And I think all of the copies have basically been just copies of copies of copies of the original VHS dub of the answer print. So I don't know if there's an actual 35 millimeter print left if they wanted to actually release this to actually remaster it from. The Fantastic Four. Andre, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Cinema Obscura. And I'm Steve Nikhazy along with Andre Bennett. Cinema Obscura is recorded and produced in the KYW studios in Philadelphia. For more shows, check out the new Radio.com app on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your favorite shows. Thanks for listening. Come back and visit us sometime for a vacation. Bring the kids.